Hello and welcome to Personalized Learning with Matt and Courtney. My name is Matt. I'm Courtney. And we are still pandemic learning. Yeah, of we course. are still pandemic learning. Uh, but what do we do here on pandemic learning? We talk about the do-dos and don't-dos of pandemic learning and personalized learning. Because oh. I kind of feel like pandemic learning actually opens the door for a lot more personalization. Uh, so let's go with that. Let's go with that because I think that's a great way to talk about uh, our thoughts for today. Yeah. That pandemic learning does bring up a lot of the things about personalized learning that we've talked about for what seems like an eternity now since time has ended. Seriously. How come no one's listening to us yet? <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of things that have gone out lately. Um, now that it is the middle of May or so as we record about, okay, we're, we're done with the, the spring stuff and we're, we're done with figuring out on the fly and what we're going to do. Right. And now it's time to think about what happens in the fall. Yes. The when, return. when slash if we all come back. Well, uh, well, so here's the thing. This is like the okay. tricky conversation, right? Is yep. learning is coming back. School will start again. Just like school is not closed right now. We're just in, as, as the um, commissioner of education for Maine says, emergency distance learning. Exactly. Um, we will still be learning and learners will return after summer vacation. Um, will buildings be open? Don't know. But we will, they will come back. So there's no when or if, there's just when. So I think one of the things that I've seen about preparing for this new space in the fall, when we come back for learning, yeah. thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> that it's, it's, it might be a mix and it might be a mix even if we do come back to in-person learning uh, sometime in the September region, Right. then we're, we're definitely not gonna have all the kids as they were before. No, definitely not. So one of the things I've been, I've been thinking about as we've been in this pandemic learning is we're from Maine, obviously, and yeah. Maine has a lot of small schools. Yes. So when you hear about the things about smaller class sizes or social distancing within the schools, you can kind of imagine it in some of our small buildings. And when mm -hmm. I say small buildings for our listeners, uh, I mean like 200 kids right. overall, maybe. Uh, which is not a lot where, where I know some of you listeners are like, I have 200 kids in half my grade level. Yeah. So it's going to be tougher for some of the larger schools. But I think if we, if we try to think about what it's going to look like, we're pretty much guaranteed we are not going to have a full set of kids come back at any time in the fall. I think that's a fair, fair bet to make. So even if it's, even let's say, even if it's not a fair bet, I think it's something we have to plan for. Oh, agreed. And you know, um, you've been involved with different groups with me and um, we're doing lots of planning and it's mm -hmm. always various scenarios. Yep. You know, what does it look like? What could it look like here? And it's always, um, there's never one assumption that it's going to be one way. Right. Yeah, you do, we do have to start thinking about all the different possibilities. I think yeah. one of the one of the best ways to think about it is if we start at the beginning of whenever school opens in August or September, that we are going to have some kids in person mm -hmm. and some kids that will be at home for various reasons. 
Right. And it, it doesn't matter what the reasons are. They're going to be at home, but they still need to be learning. Yeah. So there needs to start off with some type of mix. Yes. That we need to continue the remote learning, the re mm -hmm. emergency distance learning. And well, at that point, I don't think it will be emergency distance learning anymore. I don't know if we figured it out yet. Okay. Even, even after it's two months from today that, that uh, my school went out uh, as we record, uh, which is so what? That's like eight weeks, nine weeks? Yeah. I don't know if we're going to be able to figure out even by the fall. So even if we call it just regular remote learning, we have to plan for it. Mm -hmm. And it has to be new learning, right? Yes. We have to we have to figure out what that looks like. And if we have a mix of kids in school and some kids that are at home, how do we organize that to make it equitable for our kids? Mm -hmm. And I think that's where some of the struggle is going to be. And I, but before I let you talk here, I've got an email that I got from um, Allison Zamuda, who yeah. does a lot of personalized learning stuff. And she has some like questions to think about and those, those sort of things that kind of guides conversations. So um, I know I want to go over a little bit of those things today. Um, but what are your, what are your thoughts about what, what it's going to look like in the fall? Um. I think that schools and districts cannot plan for learners to move on to next year's quote unquote air quote next year's teachers. Period. Not because of I'm going to sound like such a jerk right now. Not because of any social emotional needs. Like, <laughs> yes, because there's some social emotional needs. There, there will need to be some kind of connection and closure with, with current teachers and like all, all of that stuff aside. Yes, all of that needs to happen. But because we know now, or it's much more clear now, it isn't a case of, oh my God, we didn't know that before. It's much more, it's more of a case of it is so painfully clear that our learners are in so many different places that I really think the best solution is to start thinking about matching teachers to the learners rather than matching the learners to the teachers. So a really super quick example of this would be you were just talking about how like we know they're going to, even if the doors fly open super regular, you know, for the start of school, there will be learners who will not come or cannot come because of health reasons or, or who knows what, right? So we have to be planning for that contingency. So I heard this idea in one school, um, one district that they were had started talking about the idea of maybe having just some dedicated teachers just to the distance learning. That's so very that's interesting. Actually, an example of thinking about the needs of the learners and then matching staff and teachers to the needs rather than saying you know, whoa, we've got eight teachers, split all the kids up and bam, like. Right. So I think there needs to be, I think that's like my biggest piece of advice is think what are the needs of the learners, match the teachers to the learners rather than anything else. So I think that is A, a really cool idea about the, the one teacher being the distance learning person. Right. Um, I'm not sure if anybody's gonna quite volunteer for that part. I don't know. I think there might be. There, there, might, there be. might be. There might be. 
but I, I think your overall part about assigning teachers to the kids rather than the other way around um, is, is an excellent one. I, I take it from a, a very similar position when I talk to other uh, leaders about making sure you have a progression of learning. Right. And even if you think you have one, even if it's just about grade level targets or grade yeah. level standards, make sure that's like written down somewhere. Yeah. But then expose it to the kids is I think the key. So you can you can track it all along and what evidence looks like for those mm -hmm. particular targets. So now you know exactly where they are. But I think one of the keys is the kids will know exactly where they are right. and what they need. And from there, you'll be able to assign teachers to those four kids that need some more work on this particular right. standard. And now you're really getting into the same idea of, of assigning teachers to kids rather than the other way around. Because then the real focus is on the learning, of course, right? We've talked right. about this forever. It's not just about getting through school. It's really about learning at that point. Right. Right. So I want to talk about this email a little yeah, bit. Yeah, what are some of the thoughts and questions that are in this, this email? So one of the things that she talks about, things to think about for next year. And we'll go through some of them, but I don't necessarily agree with all of them. Or okay, maybe just good. have a discussion about it. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's, it's not like it's perfect, of course, because, you know, we didn't say it. So, <laughs> so some of these things that Allison has said in here is that, uh, we can examine and pare down existing curriculum documents to focus on critical content and skills for the entire course, perhaps weeding out 30 to 50% of coverage. Yeah. I don't like the word coverage. You don't either, which is why she's saying cut it out. Yeah. Well, it, it also brings <laughs> up the point that we all know that there's stuff that we're teaching to kids that doesn't really mean anything. Yeah. It's we like it. Uh, as adults, for the most part, uh, sometimes we go down tangents with kids. Yeah, uh, that can be done in a, a much better way. But if we have some type of progression or identifying that critical content, then you can easily identify what's useful and what's not. Yeah. So can I jump in here and kind Please. of give an example yes. to another reason why this is a good, despite the word covering or whatever, like this is a this is a good piece of advice. So. I was on a call with coaches yesterday and we were talking about useful protocols. And so we had this article that took examples of protocols that you might use in a class, like 45 minutes, and then translated it into online. And one of them, the four A's, which I know a lot of people know, it's a really common protocol, <clears throat> an hour or so, right, with adults or a 45 minute class, two weeks online to do it successfully. So it's just, it's just that idea of like it, everything needs to be slower online. Hmm. So you can't possibly plow through everything people plowed through, even in districts where they did pare down and really think about targets and essential standards, they still probably have too much. Yep. I would totally agree on that one. I would totally agree on that one. Yeah. And, and then uh, as an aside there, I think we got caught up in the, the day-to-day -day school stuff where you have to have a new lesson every day with yeah. new learning. You don't. And I always rejected that as a teacher. It's like, well, if they don't get it one day, why am I just going to move on? Yeah. Why don't we just extend this a little bit and figure so it you're out? You're supposed to turn the page, Maché. 
Turn the page. Yeah. I turned the page into that book and just threw it down the hallway is what <laughs> I did. Uh, all right, so let's go to the next one. Uh, it says, this next bullet says, we can rework the order of units to take advantage of likely windows when we have our students on-site and virtual. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I think that I think that makes that makes sense. Is trying to figure out what what is a better order, especially when we're going to know that we have them here and at home. Figure yeah. out what that looks like. You just said everything online is slower. Yeah, um, that's. I think it's a great way to think about really what are we what are we doing here. I think there are also probably some units that teachers have that lend themselves better to a translation online than others. Mm -hmm. So you know, yeah, that's a very fair piece of advice. All right, the next one has uh, three parts to it. Uh-oh. I know we like the three-part questions. <laughs> uh, we can retell the story of our course curriculum by making creative choices to, one, frame compelling questions and clarify learning goals. Yes. I like. Do that anyway. You don't need pandemic to do this. You're giving away the punchline to all of this, Courtney. <laughs> two... <laughs> You can't, Does, take, you can't take me to podcasts. I really can't. I really can't. Uh, <laughs> two, design meaningful assessments that require them to investigate, examine, create, and demonstrate. Ditto. Yeah, hello. And <laughs> three, develop learning modules, such as maybe like week at a glance, to clarify expectations, assignments, and support. Yeah, that's amazing. I love this one. Yeah, I really like that idea too. It the module. This is your module. Yeah, this is what we've got. This is these are the expectations. This is what you're going to learn. This is how you're going to learn it. These are the assignments you need to do along the way. This is how we can support you along the way. And what you're going to do is investigate or examine or create. And you'll know the questions. You'll know the goals. You'll know what you're learning. It sounds like Allison has been listening to our podcast for a while. I yeah. Go, Allison. Or maybe we just cribbed it all off her to begin with. No, we didn't. Okay, good. I was worried there for a second. Uh, I like I like that one the best, obviously. Oh, yeah. no, sorry. I like the next one the best. Here's nope. this one. We can plan to develop students' autonomy by modeling and providing feedback on how to manage goal setting, schedule mm -hmm. time, engaging with others in and out of school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that one because now we're talking about a lot more than just academics. Yes. We're talking about how to do this in uh, these aftertimes. Yes. So it's going to be different for the kids. It's going to be different for our adults. So why don't we, why don't we just rethink the whole thing? I know we talk about that all the time. Yeah. Well, now's the time. So here's actually, here's one of the best ones also. Uh, they're all good. What am I just saying? <laughs> they're all good. They're all the uh, best. This is one of the ones that I like at the beginning because a lot of the questions that that we've had talk about so where do we meet the learners yeah when they come back how do we know where they are and there are all kinds of suggestions about you know, what they've learned how do we know how do we group uh this bullet says we can seek out stories from students on how they made sense of their time at home shifts mm. in perspective curiosities they pursued and challenges they faced yeah to me, that sounds like a really good way to work on the beginning of school in the fall mm -hmm. is just talk to the kids and don't yeah. start testing them. Don't start just hammering them with academics. Oh, let's, please. No, don't do that. Yeah. Let's figure out what they did for the first six months. Right. 
you know, what worked, what didn't work. Well, yeah. What was hard for them? What wasn't hard for them? Like, yeah. what are some suggestions you might have that would make it easier? Yeah. You know, ask the kids for God's sakes. Right. I like that one a lot. Uh, the last one kind of goes off with this one. It says we can help students design ways to document and reflect on their work over time, like portfolios or something. Yeah, I think totally. that's just another extension. Right. But, and those aren't, that's not a complete list of things that Allison wants us to think about, but those are some really good things to really rethink about how we're going to do school yeah. in these times. And actually, you know what? I'd like to throw in something that Kelly Young from Education Imagined has expressed as her um, <clears throat> number one desire for learners coming back to school, regardless of what that looks like. Um, and I, I really like it. I've been thinking about it a lot and I think it makes sense. Um, probably not easy, right? Every school is different, but the idea that every learner has like an advisor or a mentor or like a, a personal guide, right? That they meet with individually to help them kind of figure out the what next. I think that is a fantastic idea. Yeah. And I think that would really help schools with their version of uh, whatever uh, learning time or mentor time or yeah. uh, whatever school wants to call it. Especially, you know, we, we've heard a lot of, of stories about teachers trying to connect with all their kids in yeah. these times and it's yeah. tracking down the hard ones. Right. That makes it harder, but it makes it more worthwhile when you finally do. Yeah. Uh, I was just reading another story in the in the paper about a school in San Diego that has like 2,500 kids and they were down to the last 20 or so as of a week ago. Wow. They hadn't found. So they started just driving around a little bit trying to figure out if they were still there at all. Yeah. Uh, it's a very uh, transient population, they said, but sure. they they eventually figured out all of them that some had moved away to different states. Uh, to stay with families. Uh, yeah. And that's one reason that nobody yeah. was answering emails or picking up phones. Sure. But it's it, the, the commitment was there that we need to, f we need to figure out who they are and where they are. Right. And I think that's come a lot more to the forefront over the past two months that school has been out. Yeah. That it has kids, uh, kids in school are, are, it's not just a factory anymore that these are real kids with real lives and now everybody has seen each other's living rooms at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think it makes it a lot more human. Absolutely does. Which I love. There's a lot more in this email, but we're going to try to link to it. I don't know, somehow. <laughs> I haven't figured that part out yet. Yeah, we'll, we'll put it on our website. Okay. Uh, or our parking lot, maybe. Uh, where you can always get in touch with us on our parking lot on our website at plearnmc.com. Yeah. Facebook. Instagram, Twitter, 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 TikTok. No, not yet. I don't even know what TikTok is. I don't really know. We're old. We're older than TikTok. We're not allowed on TikTok. <laughs> I think that's the thing. We're not allowed on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so if you have questions or comments or just want to uh, stay in touch in these times, uh, get in touch with us at any of those things. Everything is Peeler and MC and you can find it us really, Yeah, that's all you need to know. Peeler yeah. and MC. That's it. We'll talk next time. Bye.